0: Welcome to Charity Talks. I'm Brooke Denevsky, and today I spoke with Seten Samdup Shoykepa, the Vice President of the Dalai Lama Foundation. As you'll hear, the Dalai Lama created his foundation to promote his Tibetan Buddhism-based views on human values, mutual understanding among religions, peace and the protection of the environment, as well as helping to preserve the unique Tibetan culture. And Seten, as the former personal representative of His Holiness and the first in his family to be born in exile from Tibet, has a great personal perspective on the Dalai Lama's mission, as well as on kindness, giving, and how to live a meaningful life. I really found this to be one of my most interesting podcasts, and I hope that you agree and get as much out of it as I did. (laughs) I'm speaking with Setan Samdhup Shoyapa, the Vice President of the Dalai Lama Foundation. Setan, thank you so much for speaking with me today. To start, can you share a little bit about yourself and your background? Okay, I was the first in my
1: family to be born in exile. My parents escaped from Tibet in 1959. They used to live in southern Tibet. And... I have been working for His Holiness since 1985 in different capacities, and for 25 years I was in American Europe, and in 2016, April, I was asked to come back to India, and I, uh, since then I have been working in Dharamsala as one of His Holiness's. Secretaries, and also I am one of the vice Presidents of the Gandhi For Foundation of the Dalai Lama, which is based in Switzerland.
0: And how did you first come to know the Dalai Lama?
1: Well, for us Tibetans, since we are a child, you know, we are, we are automatically introduced to his in Dalai Lama because he's our spiritual and political leader until he retired from political leadership in two thousand eleven. So it is part of our culture and religion to know His Holiness because to us Tibetans, He is like our uh, our heartbeat of the Tibetan community yeah. because since coming into exile in 1959, that He has been instrumental in ensuring the Tibetan culture, religion, language, everything is in exile, but exile community are able to strive and prom- promote and, you know, practice, continue, preserve. So you know, because of that, I have been able to go to Tibetan refugee schools because he, with the help of Government of India, was able to establish Tibetan schools, monasteries, center of learning, Tibetan settlements. So it is very natural for majority of the Tibetans in fact, I would say almost all Tibetans in exile to be directly in contact with His Holiness because in exile, he has been instrumental in setting up our exile institutions and settlements across India. In fact, also involved with uh, asking foreign governments to resettle Tibetans in America, Canada, and European countries. So His Holiness is like, to us, he's part of our life, daily
0: life. Mm-hmm. And since he is such an important figure, how's your experience been like working with him and how similar or different is he from what you may have initially expected previous to meeting him?
1: Well, uh, I would think the majority of Tibetans would like to serve with, uh, serve for his holiness but then there's how you can you can serve his holiness by being yourself in promoting his beliefs, his uh, messages. Uh, For me, I have done that. Also, I have worked for his as a representative in in Europe and uh, for for a number of years. And now that I am directly working under him in his main office in India. So it is a huge um, honor as well as a responsibility. Mm -hmm. And uh, many people get confused or many people are more, see the shine of the honor than the responsibility. And for me, it's a responsibility which is much more important and trying to make sure that we are able to answer and live up to the responsibilities that we we are uh, there for, you see.
0: Yeah, I imagine that. It's definitely yeah. a huge responsibility, so that makes sense. That's right. Yeah, and can you tell us about how you got involved in the foundation and what exactly it is that it does?
1: Well, His Holiness uh, has two foundations in, in India and one foundation in Europe. And uh, because I have lived, as I said earlier, over 25 years in Europe, and also, you know, within our office, we have number of secretaries, and within secretaries, we have delegation of work. So... One of my responsibility is to be uh, working uh, while working in India. Also, being one of the board members of the foundation, from our office in India, we are about four people who are directly responsible with other independent board members. But I am the point of contact between our office and our foundation in Switzerland. Foundation's main responsibility is to promote. His Holiness is, uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama's uh, work and uh, his, uh, his work and uh, he, normally we would, uh, we would, we would uh, say that Dalai Lama is, His Holiness normally says that know have four responsibilities, four commitments in life. So His Holiness mm-hmm. always talks about his, his four commitments in life. First commitment is promotion of human value. And his second commitment is, as a spiritual leader, promote religious harmony between different religions across the world. And the third one, as the Dalai Lama, who has a direct relationship with the Tibetan people, and since our, our political situation where China has occupied our country and our culture, our religion, our way of life is under threat. So he calls his uh, third promotion as the promotion and protection of Tibetan language, culture, environment. Mm-hmm. And the fourth one which he has recently been talking is revival of ancient Indian knowledge because Tibetan Buddhism came from India and the most of our texts are based on a universe, Buddhist university in India that was called Nalinda University. So Nalinda University, at that time, they had over about 15,000 uh, uh, scholars and a few, about, 10, or about 30, 40, which is a huge institution, and a lot of Tibetan scholars from India, sorry, from Tibet traveled to India. But before that, Scholars from Nalender were invited to Tibet, so we base our Buddhist lineage to this university in Nalanda. The foundation was set up in February 2015, and it's, in, as I said, is based in Switzerland, and it's basically promoting these four principles, the four commitments that His Holiness has, which I mentioned to you.
0: You talked yeah. about um, some of these goals that the foundation promotes, and I was wondering, what initiatives does the foundation engage in to accomplish these goals?
1: For instance, His Holiness's promotion of human value, mm-hmm. religious harmony, um, protection and promotion to Tibetan language, culture, environment, and the fourth commitment being the All these, we have different projects within India as well as in the West. Where we work towards each respective of the supporting projects that we may be directly involved, or we may be supporting initiatives others to make them viable, and also share the knowledge that is within uh, within our Tibetan culture, and also the message that Sonus talks about: love, compassion, universal responsibility, environment and um, Buddhist philosophy, and also the fourth commitment that he says is that in the ancient Indian knowledge that we Tibetans have received from India, it is not just religion, but it can be divided into three fields. The first field is Buddhist science, Buddhist philosophy, Buddhism as a religion. And he says Buddhism as a religion is Tibetan business, but Buddhist philosophy, Buddhist science are something That we can share to the world the knowledge that has been there, and what he has, Holiness has been doing is, over the years when he was traveling abroad or within India, he has been having various dialogues with scientists, inter-religious faith, talking to schools, universities, promoting all these three, the first three principles of his work, and the foundation uh, also supports conferences, research, translation work to support all these four commitments. And also the foundation has a annual scholarship for graduate Tibetan graduate students uh, to support uh, a small bursary scholarship to help them with their master's or PhD studies, which is uh, one of the important uh, projects of our, of our foundation, which is basically to build up the Tibetan human resource so that Tibetans who are uh, trying to specialize in different fields will have a little bit more money to focus on their studies that trying to find part-time work while they're studying and pay off. So we want them to focus more on their studies than trying to take a loan and then work to repay the loan. So that's sort of small bursaries that we have been supporting Tibetans who are studying in uh, in America or Europe or in other parts of uh, India and Asia.
0: Great. And you mentioned Buddhism earlier. I understand that Buddhism teaches that we all have an obligation to try and alleviate the suffering of others. How do you suppose we best go about doing so? I know it's a broad question, but how should we do so?
1: Well, you know, like, as I said to you, uh, Buddhism has three fields. Buddhist philosophy, Buddhist science, and Buddhism is religion, and religion itself is very deep. If you ask His Holiness, what is religion? He says, my religion is kindness. So through kindness, you know, he talks about how to live a meaningful life, how to be a responsible individual, and how to train your mind, and also how to live in harmony with nature. But if you go deeper into the philosophy, then it gets very tricky. And also, to be honest, that I will not be able to explain. But our basic philosophy is, if you can't help somebody, at least you should not harm them. And we Buddhists believe in reincarnation. We believe in karma. Karma basically means that you are responsible for your own end. If you work hard towards something, that brings results. If you pray is important in Tibet, but pray, pray alone will not bring results. So mm. we believe very strictly in good merits, helping people, being compassion, compassionate, and also as I said earlier, if you can't help somebody, you should not. If you can't help, but if you can help someone, it's good. But if you can't, but you must not harm the person. So yeah. as we was, as we grew up a small child, our parents oh, don't kill that ant, don't do this, don't take more than you need. All, all this at the end times book falls down to life after death, as well as having respect to that insect or the other living being or to nature. So this was part of our what Isolness calls the Tibetan Buddhist Tibetan compassionate uh, culture. And when he says Tibetan compassionate culture. He's not talking just about the Buddhist culture in Tibet. Buddhism, in sorry, in Tibet we even had Muslims, a small population of Muslims in Tibet, and they, even though they practiced uh, a different faith, Islam, but their culture is based on Tibetan Buddhist culture, a culture of compassion, mm-hmm. and so that is something that Tibetan people, in Tibet, with respect of what religion you belong to, that was common denominator among the different uh, faiths living in Tibet.
0: And I agree completely that compassion is just so, so important, especially Mm. now during a time where there's definitely a lot of conflict Mm. in the world and different ideologies. So I just think that compassion for others, as well as the environment, is so important. Mm. And I know that the Dalai Lama has said, compassion and concern for others are the keys to human survival. They are relevant to anyone, whether believer or non-believer, who wishes to live a happy life. Why do you think caring about others can actually have a positive impact on oneself as well?
1: Because I think it basically belongs to, it basically comes down to what His Holiness says, universal responsibility, that you are not alone to, you are not alone as an individual. We are born in a community. We are born in a family. Live in a community, community has to live with a nation, so everything that you do has consequences, and therefore you are directly related to somebody else or to the community. So, I think it's on that base, you say.
0: I read that one of the values that the foundation aims to encourage is the promotion of a closer understanding among the world's religions. Why do you think that creating this understanding is so significant?
1: Well, you know. His Holiness, though he's Tibetan Buddhist spiritual leader, yet not only Tibetans but other people who follow Tibetan Buddhism look to him as a religious leader. But what Dalai Lama says is that whenever I talk about Tibetan religion or Tibetan Buddhism, I never say Tibetan Buddhism is the best. And also he says that converting from another religion to Buddhism is the easy way out. You should look into your inside your own religion, his philosophies, his message. Because every religion talks about love, compassion, forgiveness. It's like going to a doctor, but the doctor giving different medicines to different patients who may be suffering from the same illness because something works for you, something may not work for, the same medicine may not work for other people. So it's on that principle, you see. His holiness is very open-minded. But what he says is that if you are a Buddhist, then you should practice the religion uh, with great devotion, not from a fanatic point of view, but with devotion that you really study the religion, what it stands for, and what it means, and how to live the life, how you should live a life that, according to the Buddha, the text of the religion teaches you, but not fanatically, of course.
0: Yeah, and another thing that I was wondering is, what do you think the Dalai Lama would tell someone seeking his advice who want to get involved in charitable causes but was not sure how to best direct their efforts?
1: I think I couldn't answer for his holiness, uh, but just earlier this week, we had a webinar with a group of people in organized by an organization in Ukraine, Kiev, and one of the question was, "How can I help you?" And his response was, "I talk, I talk about love, compassion, how to be a good human being," and they said, "If you could practice and promote this, this is how you can help me." So basically, what he's saying is that be a good human being. When you are a good human being you have an effect on others and others see that and then, you know, you don't have to be a good human being to be a Buddhist. You can be a good human being even if you're a Muslim, you're a Catholic, you're Protestant or Judaism or you are whatever religion you follow. You see, so he's basically saying that the most important thing is to live a meaningful life with good human values and think about others with universal responsibility and to always think that you are a member of the 7 billion human beings. You you, you must have the sense of oneness of this humanity.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. And do you have any personal examples of the good that the Foundation has done that you could share with us?
1: Well, you know, I, I wouldn't want to say we do that, but he, you see, His Holiness, very recently, because of the present situation that we are in, he had uh, contributed, he he donates uh, a great amount of money towards education because he believes education is the answer to our today's, a lot of our today's problems. If people are educated, with that they can live a more meaningful life. Uh, through education you can bring change. And of course, it's not only to be aware, but you also need to be convinced. Like environment. We, a lot of us are aware of the environmental issues that the world is facing, but we need to be convinced and we need to put into daily practice to bring change. So, you know, this big famine that uh, this uh, war in the Yemen, mm-hmm. famine in Africa. His Holiness is very much concerned about children's welfare. So he has been making contributions. Uh, just two days ago, there was an appeal by the World Health Organization to a vaccine program COVID-19 vaccine for the entire uh, the world's population. So His Holiness made a his Holiness made a, a donation. Basically, is something that the world can benefit, not just one community or one nation. How we, as member of the humanity, as I said once, as I said earlier, His Holiness strongly believes in the sense of oneness of humanity. So, something towards that, you know, he feels very passionate about. And he's a very passionate advocate of environment. He's deeply concerned about it. There's a new book. That will be released in November in America and in Europe. Called "Our Only Home," Dalai Lama's Appeal to the world on climate change.
0: You spoke about donating, so I was wondering, what are some of the other international aid organizations that the foundation donates to?
1: but you know, you have to also remember that we are a refugee community. His Holiness is a refugee, even though he's internationally known, he's a refugee. So we also have limited resources, but whatever little resources that His Holiness has, he's always in sharing. He, as I said to you earlier, a lot of the work that we do also is shared great Buddhist philosophy, Buddhist science that His Holiness has learned from a child. He also engages with the institution called Mind and Life Institute, which basically brings Western scientists and Buddhist philosophers like His Holiness together for annual dialogue, Then with University of Emory in Atlanta, he initiated or he has worked with them to bring out a new curriculum called Social Emotional Ethical Learning, which is basically having a curriculum that is not based on religion, but on on moral values so that it can be acceptable to whether you are a believer or a non-believer. I will send you the link for these two institutions, and these are the two, two very important um, institutions that His Holiness is very actively involved in bringing together what he believes about engagement with neurologists, psychologists, cognitive physicians, and having a dialogue with them from a Buddhist science point of view, which I only mentioned to you. Then the other one, as I mentioned to you, is what we call social, emotional, ethical learning. And it's, uh, it's being, um, the curriculum is developed from Atlanta University. Now this is uh, being, this project is being implemented in different parts of the world.
0: Great, thank you. And if someone wants to help out, how can they best get involved?
1: Well, I think it depends how you want to help out. As I said to you earlier, when someone asks his holiness, "How can I help you?", he says, "Be a good human being." Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, so that's at an individual level. And if you have, if people have some funds, they want to help in the in the projects he 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 is promoting, then of course people can make Mm donations. So there are different ways, and also one could be supporting local institutions that support. The community, or uh, a minority group, so there are different ways, and you don't one doesn't have to support His Holiness by being supporting his foundation. One can be in wherever you are supporting in what he talks about, how to be a good human being, promoting religious harmony, and supporting Tibet's cultural, language, institution because it's under threat from China's uh, destruction in Tibet. So there are ways that you can do, even with the, being where you are, you don't have to be directly involved with our foundation.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. Just the idea of encouraging people mm. to follow these values that he set up. So I think that's mm. definitely amazing. And mm. um, if someone does want to donate, though, how can they go about donating?
1: Uh, one can go to, his, uh, you can go to our Dalai Lama Foundation website. And then, you know, there's a button, like most foundations have a donate button. If you click on that, you can either, uh, if you, it has the instruction as to how you can make a donation. You can make a donation uh, either by bank transfer or you can uh, donate by to, uh, PayPal.
0: Are there any other thoughts you have concerning giving or charity that you'd like to share with us?
1: No, you know, for instance, myself. I went to a Tibetan refugee school initially. Then I was fortunate to my eldest brother to get a scholarship to study at a Jesuit school, which was a missionary school, but had children from very affluent backgrounds. And while I was in that Jesuit school for eight years, what I learned through the Jesuit fathers that they sacrificed, that they were making, they were Jesuit fathers who were from... Canada, America, Europe. And I was amazed at their commitment of social change, helping the uh, poor people, bringing education. And, and, and that I found something that was amazing that you know, I could see these people who had come to India at a very young age, around 24, 25. And, and then when I was there, they were in the 60s or 70s, but still very active. And then I remember when I was gradu- graduating from my school, I asked one of the judges' fathers, Father German, who was a very good mentor to me. I said, Father German, when you left Canada at the age of 24, I'm sure you, you more or less said that, okay, I'm leaving for India to do missionary work, and you will never see your country. And I said, I thought missionary work was to work with the poor people, but here you're working with in, in, in a school where all the children, except myself and a few others, are from very affluent background. And what he said to me was pretty amazing. He said, what you have said is basically true, but we Jesuits believe in education, providing sound education of different backgrounds. And here in North Point, St. Joseph's School, he said, what education we give to you, we believe, we hope that when you leave the school, and when you go into the world, you will be a different person, believing in the principles that we have taught you, that through you, our work will also, also be accomplished. And that was something that I thought was amazing. And also being a Buddhist, but going to a Jesuit school, sometimes I used to go for Sunday service, Sunday mass. I used to go because it was a very... Serial environment and then but also you know like you didn't have to go to your studies and the other benefit was that when the sunday mass was over you would get coffee and biscuits but it remained permanent in my mind was about tolerance of other religion even though you're buddhist you were allowed to come to chapel to attend services of course we were not allowed to have we were not allowed to allowed to come for the the wine and the bread Rather than that, we could sing the hymns, and it was something that we grew up in an environment where there was religious tolerance, so those were the things that I believe everyone should try to practice, not to be fanatic, believe me in your religion, but also be open to religious beliefs and practices of other other people.
0: I completely agree, I feel like this definitely goes back to that idea of compassion that we were talking about before. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience with all of us. I really appreciate and I think that this was really valuable. So thank you.
1: Okay. Excellent.
0: Thank you.